You're listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. Today we had the pleasure of speaking with Coach Derek Sullivan. He's head coach for Sacramento City College, a prestigious program. He's in his 18th year with the program in total, both as a player and a coach. It's his seventh as head coach. We spoke with Coach Sullivan about what makes Sacramento City College the program that it is, how he helped to turn the program around from missing the playoffs for the first time in 30 years to coming in second place in the entire state last season, how Sac City develops their program to push an unprecedented amount of players to four-year programs, and why JC might be the right choice for seniors still looking to commit to a program. All this and more on today's episode. Coach Sullivan, it's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, so, you know, you've been with Sacramento City College, uh, both as a player and a coach for for quite some time. Um, what is it about, you know, this program that really stands out for you? Well, you know, right from the beginning, I, um, you know, I was really attracted to the the success. You know, that's something that I wanted as a young player. I wanted to, um arguably not that everybody doesn't want to go to a winner, but I was really high on my list as a young player. That was, that was something I really wanted. And as I researched some stuff, you know, as I got into high school, I, this, the program really fit and then kind of learning why that was, you know, the level of competition that's been at city college for you know, many years, let's, let's call it 40 or 50 years. And really even before that, um, now that I've learned a, a heck of a lot more about the history, um, that's really what attracted me personally, how, how it was a place where you could go to find out how good you were. And, uh, you know, sometimes there were some brutally honest answers, but you, you know, you found out. Yeah. I think uh city college, like you said, I think it takes some digging, but you do find out that um, a lot of baseball's top figures uh, have some sort of tie back to uh, Sacramento city college. It's actually quite um, surprising and really cool to see when you look back at some of those records and, some of the people that have walked through those doors and on that field, uh, who has kind of yeah. been there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for your student athletes, um, what does like a typical day look like, um, you know, in the fall as well as in season? Um, so in the fall, you know, generally we are gonna, we're gonna have some long days, you know, weeks, um, they, they become five and six day weeks. You know, again, one of the things that we do is we, you know, we work right up to the uh, the, the allowable hours that we're um, that we're capable of at the JCs in California. There is a contact hour limit, but we are you know we're making sure we utilize all of that. Um, you know, we have our guys; they have the ability to enroll in a couple different lifting classes on our campus. So, um, generally speaking, you know, there's like a some sometimes a six or a seven a.m. weight class that will occur, and they, the guys will lift for about an hour three times a week. You know, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and um, you know, and then after they're done with that, they'll they'll take most of their full schedule of classes. Uh, our campus, uh, our our district, anyways, a lot of Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday classes. Um, and so a lot of guys are off on Fridays, but you know what'll end up being is Monday, Wednesday, Friday lift. Um, Monday through Thursdays, there's class between seven thirty and say twelve o'clock. There's like six blocks, and they they generally have to take about four classes. Um, to get them to the appropriate level of full-time units. And then somewhere near 1 o'clock on different days, it varies based on sunlight and, and what we need to do. Um, you know, there'll be a you know two-and-a-half-hour main practice. There's a ton of early work and post-work and one-on-one work that'll go along with those. 
you know, we do a lot of video analysis. So it's very long days. And then um, in both the fall and the spring, there's a study hall program that we have. So there'll be, you know, outside of that, there's an expectation, um, depending on the kid, generally from an hour and a half to three hours a week of study hall. Um, wow. You know, so the fall, the fall is pretty grueling. We'll play some outside teams. We'll try to play two and three times a week, uh, whether it's inner squads or outsides. So, again, it's kind of like a practice three days, play two or three days. And we'll go for 14 weeks right up till, you know, Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit after finishing with a World Series. And, you know, we lift all the way through. And then as we get towards finals, we, we kind of settle in, make some decisions, let guys know who's coming back. And then, um, you know, the spring is similar. We're not going to lift as much. Now we, we still lift early, but we'll lift two days a week, more of a maintenance program. So, you know, that a little bit more rest, a little less exertion. Um, Fridays will be off, um, any game days, they will be off of weights. Um, but the class schedule is very similar. Um, we try to load them up on Monday and Wednesday. So Tuesday, Thursday become our conference games. Um, and then we'll play on either Friday or Saturday. We play a number of night games cause we have lights, you know, we have a great venue for junior college mm-hmm. baseball and we're 1500 seats and lights and we're very, very fortunate. I never want to get too far away from that. It's, you know, we uh, we have a really, really, really good situation, and we just try to maximize it. Um, but again, in the spring, the lifting, the class, the study hall, forty games, and you know, hopefully the postseason and, and a deep run. It's uh, it's a pretty solid ten month commitment, and then um, you know, hopefully our guys get a whole lot better going through it. Yeah, I would I would think with all that uh, on their plate, uh, the development is is obviously uh, there, and I, I don't you know I think. Maybe sometimes people think, oh, junior college, it's not going to be as maybe serious as, um, uh, you know, Division three, Division two, II, Division one. But it, that doesn't sound to be the case. Um, it sounds like you guys, you know, put in your work and grind, which is, which is, I think, I think what most people are hoping for. Yeah, you know, and and you know, the four year schools, the you know, at times professional baseball. Ultimately, you know, that's what we're trying to prepare them for. So the development has to be geared towards that and. You know, whether it's physical or academic or, you know, uh, maturity deficiencies, you know, we have to kind of the blue collar mindset, you know, that's the JC guy is that, right. you know, they need to bridge the gap. I use that saying a lot. Um, and so we're going to try to maximize all the time that we have. We do have a little bit more access to our guys than, say, a Division One school because the contact hours are so hard and fast and, um, you know, it's tough. And so you have mm-hmm. to be ready for that level. You kind of have to. You know, some people would say, if you don't have it when you go there, you're probably not going to get it. And that might be a little harsh, but I've seen it to be true quite a bit just because of, you know, what they're forced to do, um, you know, practice time wise with the limits. Um, they are trying to uh, ultimately it is a little bit more difficult at the four year level with the they, you have to take pretty much an extra class compared to what you have to take at JC. You know, you can take more, but, you know, the, the, the bar set a little bit lower um, mm-hmm. or, you know, higher at the, at the say, the division one level. Uh, academically, but, you know, we're, we've got to take all the time to, to kind of overcome those deficiencies and develop past them. And, you know, the four-year school is looking for a player when they bring a junior college guy in that's that's ready to step in and kind of plug in to a lineup as opposed to, yeah, he's, you know, he's got some, you know, strengths, but we let's really hit those weaknesses hard and see if we can make them better. You know, that's, that's not what happens with the JC guy. They have to be ready. So our preparation is geared towards that, you know. Uh, you might call them ready-made players so that they can step mm. in, compete immediately and fill a gap. Yeah, no, that, that's, that makes sense. And I think that probably plays into the next question I kind of wanted to go over with you, which is, 
you know, you've had some great success and, and I believe to be a very competitive, uh, you know, big eight conference. Um, you know, you've been able to put together, you know, two back to back 30 win seasons. And, you know, last year you came in second in the entire state. So, you know, what do you attribute to, you know, your program's terrific turnaround over the last few years? Well, you know, it's, um, when I got the job, you know, I, this was, this is my seventh year. So that first year, like a lot of, uh, young coaches, you know, I was probably, I look back on it and I was ready to have an opportunity. And this is just me speaking selfishly. And it's, I certainly didn't do all this. I, I inherited a program that has tradition and standards and facilities and personnel. And, you know, it's, it's not, right. it wasn't built from scratch by me. I'll never try to take credit for that, <laughs> but you know, um, at the same time, I didn't have my voice as a head coach. You know, personally, I, I'd never been a head coach until I was the head coach at Sac City. And that's, uh, right. I don't know if that's, I can't say that that's abnormal. I'm pretty sure Andy McKay before me was in the same boat. Um, but those first few years, just not really having a grasp perfectly of what I thought we needed to be doing. And, you know, and I have great coaches that, you know, we had input and but we just didn't have the right culture. And so that's, you know, that's maybe an overused word in these last few years, but our culture wasn't what it needed to be. And, you know, we were lacking in that department and, you know, does that have to do with the mental game? Does it have to do with finding the right guys and, you know, how we develop our interpersonal relationships with our guys? Yes. And all of that. Um, so we would have a couple, we had a solid year, a couple tough years. Um, we're able to fight through and make the playoffs the first two, but then we, you know, we, we fell on our face in the third year, you know, and it was the first mm -hmm. time in about, I think it was 40 years that we had missed the playoffs and that's a, right. that's a heck of a streak. Right. And so what turned it around was we really, after that year where we, for us, we hit rock bottom and we, you know, we, we probably missed the playoffs by one win. You know, if we'd have won a particular game somewhere in the year, we'd have, we'd have gotten in, but I think we needed to, you know, hit, you know, be slapped in the face, so to speak with, you know, we're just not doing it how Sac City's supposed to. So the culture change was that we needed to make sure we had the right guys and we needed to define who that was and what, what, what we were all about, regardless of what happened on the field. And, you know, we were fortunate enough. We had a bunch of guys that bought in quickly that were pretty good, you know, maybe not super duper, you know, stellar. Um, but we turned it around that next year and really hit it hard about this is what it takes to be a Sac City guy. This is what best speed is. You know, this is how we compete, and I don't care what your swing looks like anymore. I'm, we're not worried about as much how you feel the ground ball or, you know, how many bunt defenses we can run. It was just getting mm -hmm. the right guys with the right intentions, and it, we were the number three seed in the North that next year. And we lost in the first round to a team that was, you know, a pretty good one. And, um, you know, we, we just weren't ready to have that success. We were ahead of schedule. The following year, we we probably were we were seasoned more. We had had that playoff experience, and we were ever we got out, ended up being ever so close to getting to the final four. Um, you know, one couple innings away, I guess. Right, we had to win one more game at the end. And then last right. year, everything just came together. I, I would say that we were far from the most talented team, but we really played baseball well. We we were able to play so many pitches. Right, play this game one pitch at a time. We had an extraordinarily good example of guys last year that that's all they did with whatever ability right. they brought and with whatever talent they had and, and their ability to execute or, you know, we made plenty of errors and, and walked plenty of guys and all of that. Um, we just played more pitches and I would argue that we were the best team at playing pitches in the state of California. Um, and we just lost to an ex excellent Delta team that, you know, they're, they're probably more talented than us, but 
you know, toe to toe, it's baseball is baseball. Nothing guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. And, um, but you, you know, go, to go back to your question, what was the quote unquote turnaround? It's, we really just decided that we were going to focus on creating the Sac city culture that we all dreamed it should be. And the players followed, you know, and with that right. level of buy-in, it was, it's hard to, you know, our level is not the sec and, and don't get me wrong. I think the big eight conferences from what I've heard and some of the things I've seen and read, we're one of the top three conferences in the country for junior college. I, I'll, right. I'll put us up there with anyone, the level of competition week in and week out and the, the level of coaching and the quality of programs. But, you know, we, um, you know, we just focused on that and the wins followed, you know, cause at, at the JC level, you know, you, you don't have to have big leaguers on your team. You don't have to have a, you know, every guy be a division one dude to be able to win baseball games. You just have to get them on the same page. And and we've been really, I think, successful at that in the last three years compared to the three years before. Yeah. Um, you know, you've had quite a bit of opportunity, I think, to play for and coach with a lot of uh, terrific coaches. You mentioned Coach McKay, who's, you know, Hall of Famer. I know that you've had a stint um, in the Cape Cod League with, with a coach that uh, is particularly well-known, especially among, you know, Major League Baseball circles. And then your coach mm -hmm. at, at St. John's is also well-known. So, you know, what are some lessons, I think, now that you're a head coach, I mean, have now been for some time that you were able to kind of take away from some of those experiences? Um, you know, I would say each of them, you know, like with anyone, every every person that you encounter, especially for a period of time, um, when you spend with them, you, you probably pull away different things. I know with uh, with Coach McKay, I played for him, and then I was also an assistant coach for him. Um, just the incredible desire to learn more and more about the game of baseball in every aspect. And he was, you know, what got him into professional baseball was his success with the, the quote-unquote mental game, right? Whether it's sports mm -hmm. psychology or, you know, just you know, some people think about it as motivations, but just really learning how to coach players between the ears, but also not be in their way and gum them up with thinking about thinking about thinking, right? Paralysis analysis. Um, he's still the best one I've ever encountered with that. You know, and there are a lot of good ones out there. You know, our basis is in Ken Revisa, which, you know, who's passed away recently, but he's, he was such an icon in the game of baseball. And, you know, we were able to take that, those ideas of his, and he, he spent a lot of time with us and, and run with it. And Andy McKay was, he's still, amazing at it but just that desire to learn and that continuous improvement um, a unique thing uh, coach mckay had a an mba so he's a business guy and so yeah. that's actually what i got my master's degree in. kind of followed suit with him and some other guys and you know it really lent itself you know when you learn about deming and continuous improvement and applying it to organizations well that's a baseball team you know and right. what is it to what are the terms Kaizen of, you know, which is, you know, a basis and continuous improvement process focus, you know, all of those terms, it really lends itself to player development. And so again, that's kind of what we, we do at Sac city. I think, well, um, you know, I, I was able to play for uh, Ed Blankmeyer at St. John's and that's a, you know, again, the division one level, which I got to experience just a different ball game. You know, again, you, it, it's, it's not that you, it's not a blue collar place because the guys at St. John's have been successful for quite a while, but the division one level is, you know, roster limits, scholarship guys and roles are largely, there's largely set, you know, preset because of scholarships and recruiting. 
and roster limits. So roles have to, it's a finite amount, right? You don't just have a big roster and next guy. Um, but I thought he was pr- very professional in his organization and his ability to manage, you know, uh, a game. And he's had, you know, quite a few successes afterwards and the NCAA tournament. And you know, he's an ABCA Hall of Famer. So I'll tell you what, I think I learned a lot more as I left St. John's and I be- started to begin to coach. And, and you look back on your experiences and just see how, you know, the presence of a, of a skilled manager and, and guy running a program at a high level, you know, hopefully he rubbed off on me a little bit. Um, and then getting right. to coach uh, for John Schiffner in the, uh, in the Cape Cod League for Chatham, um, man, the, the level of talent of amateur players. I mean, that was the biggest thing. And yeah. Schiff was a master at, at handling players. So again, managing, you know, personalities. Because in a summer ball setting, you know, where you're, you're essentially borrowing, you know, renting, you're not really renting, but you're getting players that aren't yours for a couple months at a, you know, in a premium location and a premium competitive league. Um, that experience is just something else just to see what's out there that these guys are the same age as the players at Sac City and really they act the same way, but you get to see kind of the ridiculous physical abilities of, of human beings in the game of baseball when they're 19 and 20 years old. And that was, uh, right. that was an awfully, uh, special experience. Uh, I so, would imagine hope, so. Um, hopefully it's, hopefully my eye for talent has been developed because of that. My, my ability to coach whatever players walk through the door on a multitude of levels, you know, whether that's physically with a swing or a delivery, or again, trying to get the most out of them between their ears because they, you know, they're distracted and, and teaching them how to play the game pitch by pitch, which is a really important part of our program and, and or knowing what it takes to get to the next level. Cause I know what those players look like. Um, I think right. you combine all that. That's, that's what I've been able to pull from those three. Yeah, no, I, I I would definitely think that that would be the case, um, and I would think that you know that definitely shows in how kind of what I want to talk about next, which is you have um, a very strong track record of being able to I think place or help place players um, to four year your you know four year universities. Um, as of now, you have over well over seventy players transferred to four year universities total. Um, ha- more than half of those have gone to D one. You know, what do you feel like your program your program does to kind of aid in the success of your players and, and then placing them at the next level? You know, um, again, I, I probably overuse the word development, but it's such a central piece. And we're trying to we're never really happy with how good guys are getting. Not that we're not happy, but we 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 don't let our guys be satisfied. And and. You know, that's that's what keeps coaches and programs coming back for our players. You know, we have a bunch of guys, you know, we hope our brand of player is one that continues to get better, that can work on his own, that doesn't have to be, you know, have his hand held. You know, he can, he understands right. what the development process looks like for himself. And so again, then we cultivate that internally and that's, you know, that helps those guys as they move on. And then, you know, it feeds into itself and in that we've developed relationships for a long period of time, you know, specifically Coach Bomberry, who's been here for, you know, 21 years now, and he's my recruiting coordinator, and he's been placing guys for as long as, you know, when I was a player there, he was still doing it. So, you know, I have a lot of really, really good help, but the relationships that you develop when you're able to send a player accurately, um, honestly, to a program to say, listen, I think he'll succeed. Here's what he does. Here's what he doesn't do. And the honesty factor, that's why we've been so successful. We work really hard to get good players. We try like crazy and I think have been pretty successful at making those good players better. 
but we're honest in our evaluations of our own guys. We're able to look in the mirror and place guys at you know, the appropriate levels, school, baseball. Mm-hmm. And that level of trust means if I call a guy, and I can call, call a guy you know, anywhere in the country. And, and that's it's kind of a powerful deal. It's the first time I really experienced it when I became the head coach that I could call anybody in the country and say, hey, I'm such and such from Sac City. And I, I they listen. Um, right. That's a dangerous thing because I, you know, that you know, I could probably sell guys that I shouldn't to a certain level, but the honesty factor is what keeps uh, coaches coming back. You know, you get a call from a, a power five guy and, you know, um, it, as long as you're honest and say, hey, I don't have anybody this year for you, but I might have one coming up. Um, you know, we bec- you become better and better at placing guys and you know, again, it's it's not so much just who you know, but doing, you know, recruiting hard, really doing your best to make guys better and then continue to be honest with players and coaches. And, you know, that placement, it gets easier and easier. You know, it really it, as right. long as you got the players, it it, it 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 feeds itself, if you will. Yeah, no, I, that, that definitely seems to be true. Um, you know, for a player who is on the fence between, I think, going to a junior college or a four year. Um, what is your pitch as to why specifically Sac City may be the better choice for them if if they're choosing between those two options? You know, um, what it does is it keeps your options open, you know, and so depending on, I, I really, the guys we want to get, um, some of the best players, and that doesn't mean all of them are this way, but that particular question that's posed, listen, this guy has, say, a Division Two option or a, uh, you know, a, a non-big time Division One, or is it maybe it's not the school that that he wants, but it's an offer, it's a roster spot. My pitch is: listen, if that's not really, really, really what you want right now, if you don't think it's a fit, it's not quite a match. It's well, at least I can tell everybody I went Division One or I got a scholarship. That right there, I have an in because those options, generally speaking, will probably still be there in a year or two for that same kid. They don't just right. disappear. If they think you're kind of good enough to give you some level of an opportunity, that's probably not going to go away. And at a place like ours, where I think we've done a good job traditionally of making our guy, you know, helping them get better. I, I haven't made one guy better. I've just helped them get there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to invest a year or two in a program like ours, you can potentially go to a different school that you really want to. And, and you might find out there's a whole other area of the country out there that you can go to you don't know about when you're in high school that that they don't recruit high school in that area and right. so our place you know we talked about it as a springboard a trampoline um you can maintain that dream school or or set of dream schools that that you want to go to and you, you can go there from sac city you know and and again i hope i'm not just sounding like you know, there are other very very good junior colleges and programs in the state and the country but we're one of those schools where you know you can go to lsu because we've sent a guy there you know right very rarely does a guy go to stanford but that happened at our place and you know we sent a guy to vanderbilt and and that's not everybody goes there i, I can't lie and, and make it sound like everyone does but it does happen and and that's my pitch i'm fortunate to be able to say that you know and same thing with guys that want to be professionals you know but we've had big leaguers come out of our place, and, and I have an idea what that type of player looks like when he's 18 years old in junior college. Right. No, I, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, your, your humility is, is refreshing, but I do think that, you know, you 
you you have contributed to that ability i think to do that um so you know now we're going to kind of switch gears again and we're going to do what's called our closing nine these are nine okay. questions that we just kind of want to ask you in uh, either one word or a sentence answer um okay. so uh, i'll start what time do you wake up in the morning generally 4:35 4:35 that's pretty early <laughs> Yeah, when we have weights, we lift early, and uh, I, I need to be able to eat, get my coffee, and be prepared and be present when I open that weight room door. If I'm going to coach him, I, I can't be half asleep. That's good to hear. Um, favorite baseball movie? Uh, mine is Bull Durham, hands down. Favorite baseball player? Will Clark, The Thrill. If you were to choose one person to play you in a movie, who would it be? <laughs> Oh man. Um Kevin Costner is a good baseball guy. Let's roll with that. Uh sunflower seeds, David or Spitz? Uh I've found that I like to mix the cracked pepper spitz with the barbecue and uh all of a sudden you end up with like a sizzling bacon taste. It's awesome. Wow, I haven't heard that one yet. It um, was presented to me and I think it's true though. Once I I'm a, I'm a believer now. <laughs> um are you a fan of the DH or no DH? The DH. I like to see guys hit, not 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 hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best player you've either played with or against or coached? Oh, uh, Chris kind of Bryant. Was pretty, Chris Bryant was pretty good when I coached him in the Cape. Awesome. He, uh, what is good. the number one thing you look for in a, let's say, quote, Sac City guy? Oh, that's a deep one, but uh, oh, oh, focus. I want a guy that's able to focus on whatever his task is at that given moment. Focus. All right, and then in in one sentence or less, I um, mean, we kind of touched on it, um, but why should a player come play for your program if you had to kind of dial it in? We have a program that's going to set an environment to potentially and likely um, have a kid develop into the best version of himself. That's great to hear. Well, Coach Sullivan, I'm sure we'll have you on once more. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about kind of your own recruiting journey because you went through Sac City and onto a D1 program. But thank you for taking the time to kind of talk about your program and, and getting this conversation started. Well, hey, I really appreciate you reaching out to me, and I, I would be it'd be my pleasure to to do it at any point in the future. Great, awesome, thank you. You betcha. Thank you for listening to the Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. For more information about the college baseball recruiting process, visit our website, collegebaseballmatch.com. You can also find us on all social media channels. Do you have a question about the recruiting process that you'd like answered on the show? Email us at support at collegebaseballmatch.com. 